0: Here and welcome. Hey friends, welcome back. We're really glad that you're here for our final get together for this worship series simply called, Why Am I Here? And I really, really do hope that you've been discovering an answer to that question and finding hope and help for your purpose and for the ways in which God is preparing you and equipping you for ministry. Hey, will you join me in a word of prayer as we gather together? Holy and gracious God, what a gift you are and what strength you offer to us as we try to determine why it is we're here. As we have stepped into this new year, we often reflect on that God, and we're grateful that you provide both answers and ways forward. And so we're grateful that your word has helped us. We're grateful that you continue to equip us and prepare us for our own ministries. And we pray God this day in particular that we would live those purposes out with boldness and with intentionality, and that we would claim your strength and give grateful honor to you in all that we do and say. For all of that, God, we give you thanks and pray your blessings be upon the ministry to which you have claimed us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I kind of love it when we spend time going through the how, what, when, where, and why kinds of questions, right? And so that's what we've been trying to do these last few weeks. We started out with the big why question. We always want to address the why question why am I here? And of course, we discovered that we're here to um, serve God and love God and love others, right? And then we answered the, the what question, what am I supposed to be doing? And we discovered through Pastor Doug that we ought to give our whole lives over to God as an offering and just pour that out in our workplace, in our family lives, in our everyday lives, that that's really, really important. And then last week, of course, we addressed the where. Where am I supposed to serve? Where is this taking shape? And we talked about... Uh, our gifts and our passions and our ministry styles. And I really, really want to encourage you again, if you didn't go this past week, to go to that website, tmumc.org gifted, where you can literally take the discovery that will help you better understand your gifts, your passions and your style. And when you do that, man, it will make an amazing difference for your life and I maintain for the world and building God's kingdom. And so uh, part of what I love about that is is it, it, it's your uniqueness, it's your distinctiveness that God has equipped you for your particular ministry. And I wanna encourage you to claim that and to just take off with that because it's that distinctiveness and uniqueness that makes you who you are and how it is God's working in and through you. And a part of the gift I think that God gives to us is not only are we distinctive and unique individually, But man, corporately as followers of Jesus, as the body of Christ, we become unique and distinctive as well. It's a corporate kind of gathering together. And it's fascinating when we realize that because it's that distinctiveness and uniqueness that helps us be better followers of Jesus. I remember several years ago, I started teaching this thing called Disciple Bible Study. I know many of you are familiar with it. Many of you have taken it, and I'm grateful and want to encourage you always to take it. It is a survey course of the Bible. And so we go from Genesis to Revelation and learn basics and uh, good information about the scriptures. But what I love about Disciple is not only do we learn about God's Word, but we learn how to apply it. Uh, Literally, the catchphrase for disciple is becoming disciples through Bible study. So each week as we study, one of the last components is this section called Marks of Discipleship. And in Marks of Discipleship, it literally is sort of where the rubber hits the road. So every week when we're learning about a particular book of the Bible or certain concept out of the Bible, after learning that, we will say, "Okay, how does this apply? What do I do with this in my life? Marks of Discipleship. And I remember almost 30 years ago uh, uh, when I first started, we go through this series and there's 34 weeks. It's not short, but you get near the end to session 31, having learned all about the Old Testament, about the prophets and about the law and about the writings and then the gospels and many of Paul's letters. And then near the end, we discover this mark of discipleship, this way in which we're supposed to live. And it speaks volumes into today's understanding of how we ought to live in session 31 the mark of the discipleship is something like this it says we are meaning followers of Jesus we are distinctive peculiar people marked by inward character and outwardly by compassion I don't know about you but the very first time I heard that concept we are peculiar people I was almost offended I thought, what does that mean? Why, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be unique, right? But the more I heard that, the more I understood that, the more it made sense. We are distinctive, peculiar people, we followers of Jesus, and we're marked by inward character and outward compassion. And I want to suggest that's how we ought to live our ministry, peculiarly. That's a hard word, man. I almost couldn't say that. But just think about it. Jesus told us this when he talked about the Beatitudes in Matthew's gospel. He would say, blessed are the meek or blessed are the merciful or blessed are the pure in heart or blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And just think about it. All of those things are peculiar behaviors. It's not normal to be meek. It's not our human condition to be pure in heart. I wish it was, but it's not. And so Jesus in his teachings literally is calling us to be peculiar or distinctive in the ways in which we live our lives. The apostle Paul would likewise say to us in a couple of different ways, but I remember and reflect most particularly on Galatians chapter five, where he lays out what we now refer to as the fruit of the spirit. And these are peculiar ways of being, aren't they? He tells us in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Just reflect on those nine qualities and say to yourself, are these natural and normal? I know I'm supposed to do them. I know that I'm called to them. I know that they're what I ought to be doing, but man, they don't come naturally. It's why we are called to be peculiar, distinctive people in the world. And the world needs this. The world needs more joy. The world needs more peace. The world needs more patience. I know I do. The world needs more gentleness and faithfulness, right? I think even about those early Christians, do you know that in the first 300 years after Jesus's death of those who claim faith in Jesus, 300 years, friends, that's longer than our country has been an independent nation. For the first 300 years of Christianity, we were people who were peace seekers. There's not a single recorded act of violence or war or anything that perpetrated any sense of that among followers of jesus we in fact were persecuted because we were peculiar folks who were pacifists by nature who were peace seekers by nature who were gentle and meek and humble and we got made fun of and we literally got put to death because of those peculiar behaviors well paul the apostle has some more wisdom for us You remember a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Doug read out of Romans chapter 12. We're going to read out of that again. And in Romans chapter 12, not only does Paul set us up for how it is we ought to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and use these powerful gifts we call spiritual gifts, but towards the end of Romans chapter 12, he sets up a formula, if you will, or a form of behaviors about how we ought to live. And this is what he says. It's actually quite peculiar. Listen, Paul says, "'Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, But take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, to the best of your ability, live peaceably with all. Man, that sounds great, doesn't it? I'd love to know people who were like that, don't wouldn't you? That's what Paul's calling us to. When we go through that list, I I both feel wonderful about myself and horrible all at the same time, right? Because here's this litany of how we're supposed to live as followers of Jesus. And I think to myself, wow, that's tough. That's hard. And then I need to reflect, well, sure enough, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's how I'm supposed to be living. And I want to suggest, man, if we could do that, If we could live this out, man, it would change the world. And it did in the first 300 years. And then it did for another few hundred years. And then, man, life starts taking over and we start changing and morphing and the world starts changing and we we lose track sometimes of who we are and how it is we're supposed to live. Here's what I want to offer to us. This, This list that Paul offers, it's our guide. It's how we need to live and be and change the world because of it. We need to be peculiar. So first, what I take note of is scholars identify that, golly, verses nine through 13 are kind of about how we ought to interface with each other as followers of Jesus. And then chapters, or verses rather 13 through 19 are about how we ought to interface with the world, how we ought to relate to other people who might not be followers of Jesus. And both are really important. So let's kind of walk through what Paul says, and I'll, I'll do it as best I can. So he starts off very point blankly, love genuinely, right? Let your love be genuine. And a part of that, I think, is just obvious. Just be a genuine person. Don't be pretentious. Don't, don't sort of be somebody you're not. Don't kind of put on airs. Don't say you'll do one thing and then never do it, right? Just be genuine. We've all encountered people like that, and unfortunately, we've encountered other Followers of Jesus who purport to be one way and certainly don't live the other. But he says specifically, love genuinely, let your love be genuine, let it be real. And I know that's hard, but a part of all that means is um, the basis of Christianity, the basis of following God, the basis of who God is, is love, right? And so that needs to be us. We need to love our neighbor, right? Love God. That's what we've been called to. But here's what I believe. I believe that all the rest of this passage is about the way that love ought to take shape. I think everything else that Paul is saying here describes that love or kind of helps define that love. And so I wanna talk about that. I think this love starts with honoring each other right? I mean, let's give respect to each other. Let's admire one another. That's what honor means. It means I kind of revere you. I kind of honor you, right? Well, I reckon there's kind of two reasons we honor anybody. And one's maybe not all that good. And the other one is what Paul is talking about. When we honor somebody else, one way we honor them is pretty much in an ulterior motive on our part. Right. If we honor like a supervisor or a superior for us, sometimes we do that because it's number one kind of required. But number two, we'd, we'd like to earn brownie points or we'd like to get in their good graces or we'd like to, you know, not get condemned by them. So we honor them. That's an ulterior motive. When we honor like uh, celebrities or public figures, we do it because it just feels like we're supposed to, or maybe it feels intrinsically like, golly, if I honor them, maybe I, I feel at least, maybe a little closer to them or a little bit more in tune with them. That's an ulterior motive. And that's not really what Paul means. Paul very much has a, a spiritual purpose to this honoring. And, and that spiritual purpose, remember, honoring means to revere or to, to give... Uh, uh, reverence to or to admire someone the spiritual component of this is i honor you whoever you are but particularly sisters and brothers in the faith because you're a child of god made in god's image and i want to highlight that fact by honoring god's image in you and all that god is doing through you and so let's honor people because when we do man it lifts them high and it brings honor to God as well. And that is peculiar in the world. Let's let's be that peculiarity. Next thing Paul talks about is he, he lists some phrases like, man, rejoice in hope and persevere in prayer and have patience in suffering. And I just commonly refer to that as, hey, hang in there, would you? Hang in there and use these tools, use the tools of hope and prayer and patience with what clearly will come our way sometimes. We're going to face suffering and we're going to face trials and tribulations and we're going to have times in our lives that are hard. And what Paul's basically saying here is, rely on each other, hang in there together and let make possible the richness of these relationships. That becomes very important. In fact, so important, he'll go on to list a few other things that we ought to do and I'll just refer to that as, Help others. Be there to take care of them, to lift them up, maybe to offer food or care or embrace them or just listen to them help one another. Wouldn't it be amazing if more people did that? Wouldn't the world be a different and better place if everybody just took some time to slow down and be present with others? That's all Paul's saying. He's simply acknowledging that We need each other, and in and through that need, we need to acknowledge that we can actually help each other. Wouldn't it be great to be that peculiar person who helps others and hangs in there and honors other people? Now, it's at this point in verse 14 that we begin to see that Paul takes a a slight change, and he begins to speak more now about how I relate to people who might not be people of faith. Who, who might not uh, have the same value systems that I do. And he talks about uh, blessing people and, and rejoicing with them or mourning with them and, and, and putting up with people even who persecute us. And I simply refer to that as, man, we need to be more considerate of other people considerate of their particular quirkiness, considerate of uh, why they are the way they are, considerate of how I might actually help them in who they are. Man, we live in a world right now that is not being considerate of one another. There is mean-spiritedness and addictiveness and uh, people who just lash out and people who claim things that may not be true or follow trails that lead in no particular positive way. Wouldn't it be great if we could be those peculiar people who actually are kind and gracious and honoring of other people? Be considerate. Paul then finally uses uh, some phraseology that he has used in other places and Jesus certainly acknowledged is critical. He talked about not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to not be haughty was one of the languages and certainly to not think that you're better than anybody else. And the simple language of this is humility. Humility is key for us as followers of Jesus. On several occasions, Jesus would reflect on this and acknowledge that this is what he was called to and what we are called to. Those who lift themselves up will be brought low, Jesus would say, and those who are low will be brought up. He would say the first should be last and the last should be first, and those who are uh, leaders ought to be servants of all. Humility doesn't make us sort of um, less than, but humility does cause us to think less of what it is we do or say or have. And humility is literally foundational to following Jesus. The very essence of following Jesus means I submit to Him as Lord. I submit my ways and my will to His. And one can't submit unless we first acknowledge our humility, our tie to the earth, our connection with a higher power. And it's that humility in relationship to other people. Man, it makes all the difference in the world. If I am humble in how I relate to people of different faiths or different cultures or different ethnicities or different traditions, it helps me to honor them so that I can be in better relationship with them. You see how this is peculiar? (laughs) The world doesn't act this way. The world and our culture does not um, work or value humility. But as followers of Jesus, we ought to and must, because it will help not only transform our hearts, but the world's. And then ultimately Paul talks about how to the best of our ability, we ought to live in peace with everybody. Woo! that's different than the culture, isn't it? I simply call this peace prevails. If we will allow ourselves to follow this guy named Jesus who had another name, Prince of Peace, if we will follow his ways, he'll lead ultimately to that shalom, which is the biblical concept of peace. But shalom has more than just sort of the absence of war. There's a bigger, broader understanding of peace. Shalom also means wholeness, fullness, assurance. And when we have that peace, Man, everything is better when we have that and when we share that, you see. And so part of what Paul is telling us here in Romans chapter 12 is there is a way of being a follower of Jesus. There's a way that this claims our heart and our soul, not just our heads, not just our understanding, you see. And a part of what Paul is uh, acknowledging for us is we have to have this way of being in order to follow Christ. It's not just about what I want, nor is it even about how I can um, share his love other than I've got to do all these things. I've got to be this kind of person, a distinctive, peculiar, follower of Jesus that's outwardly marked by compassion and inwardly marked by character. Uh, Jesus would say it as Matthew records it in chapter 20, where I've got to know that the last will be first and the first will be last. And that's all about humility and humility in turn helps cause love to be genuine. You can't really love anybody, anything, really, unless we first recognize we need each other. And we're sort of in this symbiotic relationship that causes us to want each other. That's not just about a spouse or a sibling or um, a child. It's about our neighbors. It's about the world to which we are called to serve. That's what Paul means when he says, let your love be genuine he wrote about it when he wrote to the church at corinth as well in first corinthians chapter 16 he just said show love in everything you do i know that's challenging i know it is for me and yet that's a part of what makes us peculiar as followers of jesus is that in everything we do we let love permeate us right John, in his first letter, would put it this way. In 1 John chapter 3, he would just say, "Um, let's not merely say that we love each other. (laughs) Let's show the truth by our actions. And that's all Paul is asking of us. He's asking us to be genuine in how we love, as we love God and love others. And he's asking us to give our whole selves over to God and others in a loving, genuine way way. Friends, as you spend more time discovering your gifts and passions and style, as you recognize your purpose in the world, I pray that you'll do everything within your power, just as I will try to do as well, to let your love be genuine by honoring others, helping others, hanging in there, being considerate, having peaceful natures, and certainly being humble in the way we relate and connect with other people. I'm so grateful God calls us to this and God allows us to be a part of this. It will be that peculiarity that will help transform the world. I look forward to that blessing and that rich opportunity. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you that you made us peculiar, that you claim us for distinct living and that you offer us the strength to stand out and to stand strong for You. Because God, a part of what all of this means is that we love You with our whole heart, soul and mind and that we love our neighbors, even as we love ourselves. God, it's strange and difficult to be peculiar. And yet, I know I and we want to be inwardly marked by Your character and outwardly marked by Your compassion. And the only way we can do that is to love genuinely. May we do that in the days that lie ahead. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Hey, your love, friends, has been made genuine on so many levels. through The giving of your time and your talent and your treasures. Thank you for making that possible. I just want to let you know that if you'd like to make a gift either now or tomorrow or the next day, you can always do that by scanning the QR code with your phone right there on the screen, or by texting the letters T-M-U-M-C to the number 45777. When you do, you help make love possible, and God's genuine love will be made strong. Thanks for all that you make possible.